um, and the mayor of Austin and a lot of cities like Austin keep arguing that, hey, you got to give us back the power at the local level because we know what's going on. We don't know how this long this will go. We, we, we're reading all these reports that are saying, you know, maybe next year, <laughs> you know, um, and, uh, and I know that scares a lot of people. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode four of Social Discord, COVID-19, part two. I'm your host, Dalen Turk. I'm Kara Tebow. And I'm Curtis Medina. So we are diving into our second session on COVID-19 because, quite honestly, it doesn't seem to be ending anytime soon. So we're going to keep you updated the best we can. Uh, So I wanted to start the show with a little bit of a joke on something that I found on Facebook today. Um... And so, guys, this is my new um, fast, uh, my new face mask mandate that I'm following. <laughs> so it's face mask safety. Know the facts before you wear one. And so, <laughs> a list of six things. And fascinatingly, um, this is the first time I've seen an actual Facebook fact check being used. Um, and so, this morning it wasn't fact checked, but now I go to the post and it says partly false information checked by independent fact checkers and you can it says see why and it goes into this whole explanation and it's actually really interesting but number one decreases oxygen intake number two increases toxic inhalation number three shuts down immune system number four yeah i know it's pretty (laughs) it's pretty drastic number four increases virus risk so not only does it shut down <laughs> your immune system, you are more likely to get COVID-19 if you wear a mask. Number five, scientifically inaccurate. It's just not true. It doesn't work, okay? Face masks are scientifically just not proven, um, which goes on to the last point on the paper. Number six, effectiveness not studied. <laughs> So not only do they not work, not only do they shut down your immune system, not only do they increase your risk of getting the virus, nobody's ever even studied it. I feel like half of those were basically the same thing, just said a <laughs> so different good. way. And like underneath each <laughs> underneath each one, it has this paragraph of an explanation, and it's just the most absurd thing I've ever read in my life. And it's from, at the very bottom, it says, hugsovermasks.ca <laughs> it's it's pretty it's, it's pretty absurd so i just wanted to share that that's that's my new mask like ideology that i'm following hugs over mask <laughs> like hugs not drugs i know right goodness gracious so like i said we're diving into part two of COVID 19 um, last episode, we talked a bit more about, I guess, the disease itself and whatnot. So I think now we want to get a little bit more into really kind of the legality of mask mandates, you know, what the outcome of closing and reopening is and kind of the more logistical aspects of COVID-19 that we're all facing. Um, so, Curtis, why don't you go ahead and take us off? Yeah, I, I, I love me some legal talk. Um, <laughs> it's a so, good time. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, whether or not you um, agree with the issue or not, seeing how the law interprets it is absolutely fascinating. Um, you know, when you go, I mean, it goes back to basically, you know, a lot of people are kind of claiming that things like making people wear masks, um, closing businesses down uh, is basically not constitutional. And, and, you know, they never, like people kind of claim that 
anything they don't like is basically not constitutional. But you know, when you actually read the constitution, there's some very specific things that it, it says, you know, you can do or you can't do. And then there's a lot of things that are kind of left open and they did that on purpose because they didn't know what was going to happen in the future very wisely, you know? Like Um, if, if you created the foundation of a country that is so specific it, it would leave no room for change. If you're too specific, you actually run the risk of, of the country failing right away. You oh, know? absolutely. So they didn't want to do that. <laughs> Everything is so vague. <laughs> so, you know, so it's kind of a blessing, but it's also a curse um, because because it, it does leave it op- a lot of things open to interpretation. Um, you know, everything from, you know, Second Amendment that we're so debating back and forth about that seemed sort of simple, but is also like you know, depending on which way you're looking at it is very complicated and very Mm -hmm. nuanced. There's always things that during that time period, they they couldn't have possibly foreseen. Um, You mean like AR-15s? Exactly. Yeah. And I I don't think they were thinking about AR-15s when they wrote the second (laughs) amendment. I'm I'm not, I could be wrong. (laughs) Um, But yeah, anyway, so, you know, uh, back to COVID-19, you know, so it's, it's kind of sort of runs back to this thing of, you know, can you legislate decency? Can you legislate safety? Um, you know, can you tell someone be safe, whether you want to or not? Can you tell someone that it is better, you know, to do something because it is because it is better for the majority of people and of the economy and of the country? Or, you know, is does liberty run so deeply that every single person has a some kind of God given right that to be as selfish as as they want to be, and that and I, and even though I'm saying that with a little bit of sarcasm, I'm actually not sure. Um, there actually is some arguments for each. Um, you know, there I I've talked to a lot of libertarians over the years. Um, if you don't know, libertarians are, are believe in very small government and mm-hmm. very um, you know basically just kind of just leave us alone and let, let the uh, economy do as it as it will isn't joe jorgensen the libertarian candidate right now i believe yeah i you know i haven't really researched that all that much but i've heard that name <laughs> <laughs> i like would love to do a future episode by the way on on the libertarian party uh the good parts the bad parts I'd i love have to debate that i have the perfect guest for that episode. oh wonderful okay but yeah so you know uh you know so a lot of people that believe in small government um they you know, they make, they make the argument that, you know, it's, it's, it's not illegal to be a jerk. It's not illegal to, to be selfish. It's not illegal. If you want to say it in a different way that has less, you know, language like that, you know, it's not illegal to think of yourself first, um, and your family first. And, you know, so, so it's not like these people, I don't consider them bad or evil or anything like that, but I definitely disagree with them. Um, especially in terms of like keeping the country going past the next couple of years. Yeah, and it's interesting because this isn't the first time that we've had this argument. So actually, this goes all the way back. There was actually a Supreme Court case in 1905. It was Jacobson versus Massachusetts, and this was a U.S. Supreme Court case. And it was about the smallpox vaccine. And it was the Supreme Court actually decided that during the smallpox outbreak, uh, authorities could mandate vaccinations with penalty of fine for refusing that. And kind of the outcome of that was them saying, listen, The actual quote is, upon the principle of self-defense, of paramount necessity, a community has the right to protect itself against an epidemic of disease, which threatens the safety of its members. Wow. So we've seen a lot of Supreme Court cases like that. And obviously things have changed a little bit with vaccinations moving forward. Um, But courts have decided many times over and over again 
that a government has a right to mandate something relying on medical consensus, right? So the consensus of the medical community, not necessarily outliers, um, if that mm. means that they are guarding and protecting the safety and health of the people as a whole. Um, I know we were talking about this earlier, guys, that even back in the, the first big pandemic that you know wasn't too long ago, the Spanish flu back in 1918, they had mask ordinances as well. And it was a whole argument just like it is today Personal liberty is not new to 2020. Um, and they actually, journalists used to call it influenza court, where they would go and watch people get fined for not wearing their masks. So, wow, that's so interesting. Like think, yeah, we like to think this is this nuanced, like this is this is the 2020 argument about liberty, but this has been going on for, for years, for over a century. I do wonder, did you, in your research of that, did you see anything about religious groups in opposition? Because, you know, obviously... We, you know, had prohibition that was led by, you know, religious groups and, you know, all this abstinence stuff that's been, you know, led by religious groups. Was there anything fighting against, you know, mandated, you know, masks and whatnot that were led by religious groups that you saw? Yeah. So, and I actually got this from the uh, American Constitution Society. It's a society of attorneys who have gathered this through their own findings. Awesome. Awesome data from the past, um, they do mention that. They say that these laws that are, you know, uh, implemented by the government have to have some allowance for religious and health exemptions. Um, I, you know, that's a tough one. I've seen a lot of people say, well, I don't want to wear a mask, so I just let people know I have a, a health exemption, whether that's true or not. And listen, we can't, in my opinion, I don't see how we police that. I think that's a personal choice, but it it does leave room for people who can't do it um, while, you know, enforcing it, I think, to the best of its ability. You know, this is very close to some some laws that would happen during wartime as well. I keep I keep thinking of that, like, you know, a lot of what's going on right now is shortages and, and you know, like, lot, like you know, curfews and, th- you know, like, like, ba- like, basically just a lot of the things that are happening right now are very similar to what would be happening if we were in, like, a full-on war. And it seems like at least during you know most of the wars like say world war ii or something like that you know most people kind of kind of rallied around the idea of keeping america together and even though it was a little inconvenient you know to maybe not have you know whatever whatever you wanted to get from the store that week or whatever like they basically just dealt with it because it was such a good cause you know so but with this with this illness it just seems like we don't have that togetherness right now. Um, we don't. We're not really focused on the end goal because I think it's very, like we don't know what the end goal is. And and uh, I mean, obviously, you know, to stop the illness or whatever. But but you know, we don't know how this long this will go. We we we're reading all these reports that are saying you know maybe next year, <laughs> you know, um, and uh, and I know that scares a lot of people. But at the same time, like we have to kind of come together and and you know and i don't know just deal with some of these things it's not everybody's being inconvenienced in one way or another you know just yeah well and that's a key thing i think we talked about it in the last episode and it's that word you said inconvenienced whereas for some reason people see this as oppression which it's just (laughs) plain and simply not not oppression uh but (laughs) i you brought up a good point and um, we talked about it earlier, and it's kind of the, you know, there's a lack of cohes- cohesiveness across the country. There's really no coordination. There's not a strong lead from our federal government. And 
honestly, this really goes to show how important and how vital local and regional government truly is. Um, and so I'm looking at this map right now, and it's a New York Times article, and it's see how all 50 states are reopening, and it's they keep it updated, I think, daily. Um, and so it's got a map of the United States, and it says dark blue is reopened, light blue is reopening, gray is pausing, and then mm. brown is reversing. Wow. And it goes... This is it's actually an incredible article. It goes state by state and shows like basically all the COVID nineteen statistics for each state from you know their first case till you know most recent. It shows all the different businesses that you know which ones are allowed to be open, which ones are closed. You know whatever it is, it's a fantastic article. Um, and so we're actually recording this on July fifteenth, and um, it's also goes to show how fast this happens because. It shows on the map, and this this was updated today, that Montana is reopening, but literally like an hour ago, Governor Bullock <laughs> said he put a, a statewide mask mandate, and so all of a sudden, like, it just flips around we so might be pausing fast. Now. Yeah. Um, but there's just been such a lack across this whole thing where n- nobody's really on the same page at all, and you've got Texas... That is just shutting down like they uh, the uh, Greg Abbott. He doesn't like Anthony Fauci. He, you know, he's a fan of Trump, but I don't think he's been a big fan of how Trump's been dealing with this. And so he basically was like, we're taking this into our own hands. We're Texas. (laughs) Um, And so um, especially Austin, which is kind of similar to Missoula and Montana, is you know, this blue dot in a red state and they're taking COVID-19 so seriously. But then you drive, you know, 27 hours east to Florida (laughs) and Florida's like, hey, like we're reopening, let's party. And all of a sudden, you know, what was it? July 13th or whatever. They had a spike of over 15,000 cases in one day. Wow. And so it's just fascinating to see that there's just no cohesive idea of how to deal with this throughout the country i think what's more is nobody wants to be responsible nobody wants to be the bad guy you know i mean this is a big um election year um you know every uh, there's a lot of polling what a terrible time for a pandemic it really is i mean they're really i i I actually kind of feel bad for republicans right now because it would be so much easier for them if you know if democrats were in power right now because they could not only they, they could basically you know make them the bad guys and and act like the good guys at the same time. But because this is like, because we're kind of a split country right now, you know, everyone kind of just looks bad as far as, you know, if from they look bad from the people that don't think the country should close down, they look bad from the people that are seeing these deaths and these rising cases, you know? So yeah, uh, I think, you know, basically again with Trump, let's bring it back to him because everything comes <laughs> back to him. As, as it should, because that's how he said it should happen when Obama was in. Um, you know, he said that the president was always responsible. So here we go, you know. Um, you know, so we bring it back to Trump, and he passed the buck to the, uh, to the governors <laughs> and, to the, and to the state legislature. And some of them took charge, and other ones passed the buck again to the counties. <laughs> and then they, you know, and like, like in Montana, for example, which is where I am now, um, 
yeah, I mean, there was one before today, there was one county that had closed down a bunch of um, events uh, and other counties were still having these big events. There was absolutely no coordination on any effort. So, you know, maybe even though it's bad that, you know, the state has to close some more, um, you know, at least there'll be some coordination between the different counties and maybe we can actually slow the the illness down instead of pretending like uh, a county border magically stops the virus, you know, if you do different things because it's just not how it works. I've seen a lot of kind of interesting arguments as well for this idea that, and I mean, I live in Austin, right? And our mayor here is constantly butting heads right now with the governor. Um, and the mayor of Austin and a lot of cities like Austin keep arguing that, hey, you got to give us back the power at the local level because we know what's going on. And I, it's such a weird, like Curtis, you we were talking about, you can literally hop over to another county, you know, they have different rules. And so it is a weird place to draw the line because do you really say that, you know, a city that doesn't have even a tenth of the amount of cases as a large city has to follow the same regulations or do they get to open up a little bit? Or is it where when you cross into boundaries of a new city line, if they have a mass mandate, you just have to comply? I think it's a really interesting argument we're having right now of do we leave this up to local officials who know their city and then you just have to comply when you're in that city? Or do we make it, you know, nationwide or statewide, even if all cases aren't the same in each in each, you know, community? I also don't like it when politicians act like um, attorneys like you know attorneys basically the way they do it is they try an argument and even if they're saying the opposite thing next they try that argument and if that works then that's the one they go with you know and and they kind of want you just to forget like at least in the eyes of the law they basically just forget that you said the first thing (laughs) like that it's a lot of what attorneys do like they just try everything until one sticks and that's kind of what's going on with you know a lot of the politicians and stuff it is. And I, I still think it's so weird. I'm like, why are the politicians the ones talking about? I don't care what you have to say. Like, <laughs> bring in the doctors and the right. people that like, have studied this for decades. Like, can you please tell us what they have to say? And like, can we go from there? Because I do not care what, you know, Mr. John Doe down the street who became a mayor a couple weeks ago has to say about this. No offense, John. But like, I'm really interested to hear from like the infectious disease experts. I'm like, why aren't we going off of what they're saying? I, I don't understand it. It's monetary, you know. I mean, it's it's there's just a lot of monetary reasons to stay open. Um, I, you know, I when this originally started, um, a friend of mine was getting furloughed, and I said stupidly, um, you know, this don't worry, this is gonna last like a month. Oh, little did you know. <laughs> I was totally wrong. Remember when we all thought this was going to last a month. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you know, there were stories out there that were like, no, no, no. Uh, this is, at best, a couple of months, two, three months, at best. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it does raise the point, you know, of how long we can do this. Is this just going to become the new normal? Um, you know, I mean, even from a legal standpoint, is, is there any limitation to how long these limitations can happen before somebody challenges it and just changes it like you know just because they want to like is there any is there any basis in the law for like amount of time okay so one thing that we were talking about earlier is you know so we're struggling there's so many different counties states cities that are placing these different mandate laws for masks And then you see, like I said, so many videos of 
you know, all these different stores that are mandating that people wear masks and they say, oh, well, if you don't have a mask, we, you know, politely ask you to leave. And people get all up in arms about that. And it's, I think the struggle is the, like, the difference between a private company man, like, having a mask policy and then having the government have a mask policy. And I don't think people are really willing um, at least those who are already against masks are willing to take a business's policy seriously when it's not legally mandated. And I think you'll see that business owners really want to be able to be like, hey, you know, go talk to Mr. Mayor about it. He's the one who made the law. And I guess what what do you guys think or what have you seen? What have you observed to, I guess work around that well providing free masks is one thing you know i was i was in a mall um about a week ago and i went into like it was hot topic or something and they just gave me a mask because i didn't have one on me you know and it was simple as that they just politely asked me to wear it and i asked them you know are you having any um you know people kind of like yelling at you or whatever and they were like no so so far everybody's been cool about it you know so it might i don't know if that you know maybe the audience that goes to hot topic is just more <laughs> you know <laughs> more mask friendly i don't know but uh you know maybe it's different i feel like the, the hot topic demographic is relatively relatively liberal that's probably um, true i mean definitely <laughs> younger for sure um but yeah you know you know so it, it, you know, what i found was funny though was the the only place in the mall that was doing that was hot topic <laughs> so go hot mm. topic um you know but uh you know uh, none of the bigger stores were doing that so mm -hmm. you know so so they took the you know initiative to make sure that that was protecting them and then you know when when you're done with the store you take it with you and suddenly i realized walking through the mall that most of the people were wearing masks that they got at hot topic you know <laughs> so <laughs> you know so it so it had a big impact beyond just just people in that little store you know people continued wearing them or whatever so that's the first first obvious you know thing i think so the way i feel about this is that and the way that i've seen this kind of reiterated in a lot of circles is that a business a private company has a right to refuse service mm -hmm. under you know a, a variety of reasons we've already decided you can't re refuse service to somebody on the basis of you know their their gender um, we've talked a lot about, can you refuse service to someone of their, for their sexual orientation? Um, one case said yes, one case said no, right, by the way. Right. So that's still up for but, debate. But we can't have it all these ways. You can't refuse service to someone for, you can't have the ability to refuse service to someone for not wearing a shirt or something. And then, in my opinion, you and then say, well, but the mask is fine. Like a, a private business should have the ability to, to do this because I don't think it's discriminatory. I guess it would depend on your description of discriminatory, but that's what we decided, right? Like we said, as long as you're not discriminating, a business can refuse service. Yeah, a business can, so re can refuse say? service for any reason as long as they're, they do it the same across the board. You know, so it's not like you get to wear a mask, but you don't have yeah. to or whatever, you know, or you can you have to wear a shirt, but you don't have mm -hmm. to. And but, it's kind of a thing where it's like, yeah, everybody can get COVID. Everybody can spread COVID. 
So yeah. it's hard to argue against it unless you don't I, believe it. I think as long as businesses are allowing exemptions, and again, you can't know if this is for sure or not, but you have to allow it for religious reasons or for health reasons, whatever that may be. Uh, I think they're in the clear. If they say, sorry, we're requiring it unless someone says otherwise. The other thing is the, so the federal government um, over the years has basically figured out groundwork to tell states what to do and by the same measure tell counties and cities and everything you know all the way kind down of a trickle down thing yeah and the way they did it was and and i'm not i can't cite the case right now because I, I heard this in a podcast and i don't remember what the name of the case was but basically the way they did it was um when segregation was still happening um there was a restaurant i believe it was in alabama that was refusing to sell food to black people um, inside. They would serve them outside, but not inside. And uh, yeah, and uh, and and so finally, um, uh, there was the, the law was trying to be passed to get rid of um, segregation and to make it so every business had to serve everyone equally. And this restaurant that I was talking about actually sued the federal government for their right to discriminate. Um, and and in um, in response to that, the government had to, had to figure out a way to legally sort of say that this you know that they couldn't do that. The way they did it was they argued that because that business uh, got products from across state lines, that it was it was it wasn't just its local business by itself. It wasn't just that state. It was sort of like like. Um, jurisdiction of the federal government and and the further argument was if they didn't um desegregate and make every law the same in every state and have the power to do that that it actually would hurt the gdp it actually would hurt the economy um to have different rules in different places um and it and it was true because if you remember say that movie the green book or if you just are aware of the green book and things like that that was a book that told african americans um where it was safe for them to stay because there was a lot of places that refused service to them and and so the federal government argued that even if you're not against this on the moral reasons which you should be but even if you're not that it actually was bad for business to discriminate and to treat one customer different than another so, so essentially, if a business says that you say you have to wear a shirt or that you have to wear a mask or whatever, that's protected um, as long as they do it the same everywhere. Were you, um, was it by chance, um, Kaltenbach versus McClung? You know, I, that doesn't sound familiar, but I, it's been a while. Since it, it's it. it's basically the same thing. Basically, um, Ollie McClung um restaurant in birmingham alabama it's ollie's barbecue yes that was it that right was it. It and was so ollie uh mcclung argued that the civil rights act was unconstitutional um because the government uh basically had no right to um regulate small business in america um, um regulate privately owned small businesses and that if a restaurant owner didn't want to serve black people. They didn't have to. And it's not the government's place to tell them that, you know, they have to. Um, and so, yeah, it's really interesting how uh, 
that's kind of at the core. A lot of people don't like being told what to do. Well, yeah, and I mean, the other thing I really like about that case, though, is it took it 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 actually took a very hot issue and it made it very cold. Like it made it very like this isn't even about whether or not you know you for segregation or whatever. Like this is about commerce. This is about keeping the country going. And I think that's what how it gets back to what we're talking about with COVID. You know, essentially anything the government can do to keep the country going and keep the and keep and you know as quickly as we can get back to reopening and some sort of normal, like that's that's what we should be doing, and that's what is legally, you know, is, that's what's legal for the for the government to do, and that's why they they take those steps to basically say, I know that you think that you're more important, but really the whole country is more important. So there's there's a really interesting um, theory, and it's called nudging. There's a fantastic book. Um, I highly recommend every re- everyone reads it. It's by Richard Thaler and Cass Sunstein. And nudging is um, it is a way that the government or people around you um, nudge you to a certain decision. And what a lot of studies have found, and this is can be controversial to some people, but a lot of studies have found that humans in general. We don't make the best decisions. We don't make the best decisions for ourselves. Maybe it's not. I took a study for that. Uh, <laughs> well, many studies, and they all have the same result. Well, and that's literally not, the whole basis of the electoral college. Yeah, <laughs> right. We're just not good at making decisions for ourselves. And so because of that, we have to, uh, a lot of people believe that we have to have certain experts, right, come up with things that have to happen. Maybe it's not smoking in restaurants. Maybe it's wearing a seatbelt. Maybe it's, you know, X, Y, Z. And then they have to basically get society to agree with this and think it's their idea because people don't like <laughs> but but we know better than them. I That's think a, a prime example of this is the big gulp ban in New York. <laughs> I feel like that's like the perfect, just something so tiny and insignificant, but that has a huge impact in public health that we just had to nudge people to understand that maybe it's not okay to drink 64 ounces of high C. (laughs) Yes, we have, we, and it's actually, it's called choice architecture. And it's even like a lot of our ballots, pay attention to this. A lot of our ballots are set up in a way, the wording that nudges us toward the right decision. Mm -hmm. It's like, we're going to let you guys vote. We're going to go and let you know right now that this is the right choice. That's very interesting. (laughs) A lot of what this finds out too is that people don't want to like believe that they're sheep or conformists, but overwhelmingly across almost every country, they found very similar results of conformity. If people see their peers around them doing something, they're going to start conforming because they don't want to be ruining basically the group effort. If people take a test anonymously, uh, their answers are very different than if they take one with their name on it. They find that people's answers are the same. So Mm. I, I really believe that, first of all, this is coming down to politicians a lot, right? If politicians all got on the same page and said, we're going to do this, that would go a long way towards nudging, towards kind of encouraging, hey, be a part of the group. Don't don't ruin this for the rest of us. But I think, I, I believe the more and more that we see people jump on the mask train, and I think that's going to continue happening more, I think it's going to get harder for these people that resist to comfortably go out without a mask. And we're already seeing that, right? We see people get in fights on Twitter and people getting yelled at in the store. Oh, yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, people want to be in a group. They want to conform to the social norms. And so I think that that'll eventually win out in the end, but I guess I guess we'll see. It, and it's, it's tough though, because for example, look at tobacco. Like everybody, everybody knows smoking is bad. It literally, it's government mandated that they have to say tobacco could cause cancer, yet people still smoke cigarettes, people still chew. 
unfortunately, there are many politicians that are basically owned by big tobacco. And so exactly. they ba- they base their decisions not on, hey, people, America, tobacco is really bad for your body. Don't do it. It's, oh, hey, like my biggest donor is the head of, you know, Marlboro. I better, you know, go on his side. We got to be careful, though, because we can't we can't go. It, it's definitely that slippery slope where, you know, just because you're against smoking doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, somebody shouldn't smoke if they if they choose to. You know, I think as long as the information is out there, like like it's OK that that it continues to be sold. But, you know, for a while, the problem was that tobacco owned so much of the government and so much influence that the information wasn't even getting out there. So there was a whole, you know, many yeah. generations that that didn't get to make the choice. That's you know? fair. That is so, fair. So I so I agree with the choice. I don't necessarily agree with with a lot of bans because things are bad because then, you know, tomorrow they could say, okay, no salt or you know, no no whatever, you know, you know, nothing nothing fat, no fatty foods, you know. Mm-hmm. That, <laughs> yeah. That's a fair point. We did. Yeah. We did nudge these people towards not smoking. We a lot of people put high taxes on smoking, so right. it gets more expensive to do. Australia, it's like it's like twenty bucks to buy a pack of cigarettes. Oh my god! I, so it's only the rich that can smoke now, can. right? We did certain things like outlawing it within X amount of feet of a building. You can't do it in right. a car with a kid. So right. we did put things in place so that it becomes a your problem, not a my problem, because we had to protect the society, not the smoker. And unfortunately, with things like coronavirus. We try, you have to stay six feet apart, but that's protects the society, right? Not the infected person. You have to do X, Y, Z things, but your decision ultimately can impact someone. And that's what we have to start regulating. You can have coronavirus, not wear a mask all you want. But what we're saying is that if you want to go ahead and go be around people, if you want to be in public, if you want to wear a mask, we're going to go ahead and put some safety restrictions around that to protect the public just like we do with things like smoking drunk mm-hmm. driving etc mm-hmm. and i think that we have a right to do that in my opinion um because it follows the scientific consensus right and i think if if we didn't do that curtis like you were talking earlier we gotta we gotta keep a society going so at some point i'm sorry but one person's individual liberty I'm not sure if that means that we just don't have any laws or rules in place. Yeah. And so we talk about these safety mandates. We talk about social distancing, masks. We talk about, you know, the government shutting down and everyone staying in their houses and their apartments. But there were alternatives that people believed in. For example, um, there's a, a young person that I know. Um, they, they're 20 years old and so they're kind of... They got really annoyed. They were bored, didn't have anything to do during quarantine. And they brought up the idea, and I know it's been tossed around that, um, and especially at the beginning when the belief was that only elderly people were the, you know, largest demographic of people that were getting sick. Uh, Well, why don't we just quarantine elderly people? You know, why do we all have to be quarantined if it's mostly elderly people getting sick? And so... That was one of the alternatives to shutting down the country. And now we're facing a second wave, or I guess not even the second wave. It's the same wave, but it's just resurging. And so, Curtis, I know this is something that you've talked about. What, um, to your knowledge, are some of these alternative ideas to quarantine and to shutting down that you've heard of? Yeah, like, uh, if that was funny that you were you know, talking about the elderly, um, quarantine the elderly thing, because... Um, 
I, f- I feel like we went from like blaming immigrants to blaming elderly, <laughs> like like it's another the old people, yeah, another group that's probably not gonna like you know jump on on you know social media and defend themselves right. you know like I mean it's so you know let's not <laughs> you know I've it was it, so I read this article um in the Wall Street Journal um and it was it was it surprised me it said that half of the deaths in the U.S. were actually at nursing homes, um which is terribly sad in it in and of itself um but but that is even with all of the different like um closing down of the country and everything that we did i mean that's how quickly some of these things can spread and it was saying well you know like you know so what happened to this argument about just closing just you know just uh, isolating the elderly or the people who are have uh, weakened immune systems which can be of any age and it sounds good at first, but then you realize it's not really that practical because this is so contagious that, you know, it doesn't take much to, to, uh, for a younger person to come in and infect an entire home of el- elderly people, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and then, and then you, then you have a pandemic, which is exactly what happened. Well, and, and real quick, and that's cause that's how it started. It was mostly elderly people, you know, 65 and above. And so they caught on to that real quick. So, you know, grandma and grandpa stay home. But what we saw as things progressed is who was staying out in groups? Who was still going in public? Millennials. Mm -hmm. So that's when all of a sudden the younger population started taking over in terms of you know, coming down with the the virus. Well, and the really scary thing too was was you know after this started, we discovered this this link between um, COVID and and stroke in younger people. Um, actually. Um, blood clots um and and it's not just it doesn't just create one blood clot that's not like that alone would be scary because we get that all the time but but doctors were finding that like they would open up the lungs or even other um parts of the body of of people who had died yeah um and and they would find you know that as they put like dozens and dozens of blood clots so if the first one didn't get the next one would and and so like so what you know what we were talking about last week was you know, when we started this out, everyone had a theory, everyone had an opinion, you know, it's not as bad as the flu, you know, why don't we just you know, isolate the elderly, we had all these little ideas. But the problem was, we didn't know what we were dealing with. And so, you know, scientists and politicians threw the kitchen sink at it, basically, just they, they, they said, shut it down, put the masks on until we know what we're dealing with. And that almost definitely saved hundreds of thousands of lives in the u.s not just of the elderly and not just of people with weak immune systems but perfectly healthy people um you know who would have died um from some of these things like stroke and stuff like that um because we didn't know what we we're dealing with you know so so it's like i i'm like i'm okay with people having different opinions and talking about it i think that's great but at the same time like until you know what you're dealing with you can't really just sort of guess at it and that's what a lot of people wanted to do you know you had these people on like fox news and and you know saying you know well you know i'm a politician and i'm you know 60 years old or whatever and you know and if if it were up to me like i would gladly die for my country just so the you know economy could stay open oh i know that was absurd And it's like good for you, you know. But like, but you know, do you get I to think, make that decision for everybody? I think that was the um, Texas Attorney General. Yeah, um, who said that? I think that's right. 
but yeah, I mean, so that, you know, that was, that was a, a big one. It's one of those things that sounded good in theory, but, you know, but in practice, it doesn't really work. How, how do you make sure that everyone over, you know, 65 or whatever stays away from people? Like, again, you can ask them to, but, you know, but they're not going to be able to, especially if they're in a, a, a you know, a, an old age home or something like they don't even have the choice to, or if they're in a hospital, they don't have the choice for that, you know? So so it wasn't really that practical to to do that. And then younger people started getting it and suddenly like everyone started taking it seriously. But, you know, I, 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 you know, there was a lot of theories. Uh, one idea was to just close off like, you know, the, the, the really bad parts um, or really bad um, areas or whatever, right. you know, shut down to say, put a, you know, block around New York City or something, which of course is incredibly dystopian and, you know, leads to oh, all yeah. kinds of other problems. But I think what what the I think my main like point I'd love like to make about this though is if you do these isolated closures or you know you pick certain demographics to to take this you know to to take away from society even if you could do that like it it will always bleed over to something else you're never going to be able to really keep that in unless you go to full on like you know, 1984, you know, style, like, you know, country, and we don't want to do that. So like, mm -hmm. so, so minus doing, uh, you know, a, a police state or whatever, which I know a lot of people think they're in, but it could be a lot worse. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, minus doing that, like, I, you know, there was no other way to do it. But to say everyone, we have to close down, we have to be careful, we have to put on masks. Um, we all have to work together because it's not just somebody else's problem. It's your problem. You know, it's, it's um, I find it interesting you bring up um, that alternative of, well, if New York is struggling so bad, let's just section off New York and, you know, they'll figure it out. And there is a 10 episode series on Netflix and I can't remember what it's called, but it's basically that scenario. It's this disease that breaks out and it's just unknown. It just ravages your body you're just like hemorrhaging blood it's it's just this awful disease and so and i can't remember what city it is but they they do exactly that they completely quarantine and section off and they build this giant wall around the city and it's just this police state and what happens other than everyone inside just like basically dies wow you know and it not to say that that would happen with covid but it's it's a great example of if you section off a group of society that's struggling, if you don't give them the proper help, if you just leave them alone to figure it out, chances are things probably won't get better. Well, and and you know we commute so much, and we you know we're in, we're constantly interacting with people. So if if you just closed off the you know sectioned off uh, say the elderly or whatever like you know it, it would only work for a little while you know I mean it would it would work at first for like a week and then and then somebody would you know would would have to interact with an elderly person and it would instantly go back to full-on epidemic I think a, an issue that the country is facing now is you know we're in mid-july August is coming the end of August what starts school and so we see a lot of universities that are converting to online format, which, you know, quite frankly, universities can mostly afford to do that. And they have the infrastructure to do that. But what happens when you get schools K through 12 where 
You have kids that don't have the internet. They don't have computers at home. They don't have that capability. And you get schools that are drastically underfunded and you get teachers that are drastically underfunded. And all of a sudden they have to make this change. But now we have leaders like Betsy DeVos who say that we can somehow safely go back to in-person classes. And Florida, once again, has taken that to heart. Um, and, and I struggle with that because, for example, and I think it's a perfect example of why that's just so, like, the idea that kids, you know, we, you know, a classroom full of 24 kids is just extremely dangerous because there was, you know, this summer there was a Christian uh, youth camp and it's, you know, the middle of the woods at some lake and there are 82 kids at the camp. Every single one of those kids, all 82 kids came down with COVID. And so if a group of 82 kids in the middle of the woods can come down with a disease, you know, what happens to a school full of 1500 kids in, you know, these bigger cities? And, you know, Trump says, oh, if there's a spark, if there's an ember, we're going to squash it. It's just not that simple. And unfortunately, this is not a simple question to answer of how do we continue with regular life when regular, like I said, normal is no longer normal. And so how do we change that? And it's just, it's, I don't have the answer for it. I'm sure you guys don't have an answer for it. And unfortunately, I don't think any of our leaders have an answer for it right now. And it's incredibly frustrating. Kara, your mic's off. I can't hear what you're saying. Can you hear me now? Yep. Oh, there we go. Cool. <laughs> um, I, Dalen, it's it's interesting that you say that because I, I'm sure you guys saw the tweet Donald Trump had the other day saying, hey, schools in Germany and Denmark are opening, so we should be able to, too. <laughs> and I go back to the tweet <laughs> Curtis of, we, we didn't know what was happening initially, right? Yeah, we didn't know what was happening. But here's what we do know now. We are months through this pandemic, and we legitimately have roadmaps to look at. We can see how different people fared. We have people like Italy who had the draconian shutdowns, right? They, things were shut down for weeks. What's happening now? Their rates are extremely low. Their transmission is not increasing as they begin to open up. Kids are probably going to go back to school, right? So that's one way of looking at it. So we literally, we know what happens if these people do it that way, okay? And we have the U.S. who shut down for a little bit and then reopened very quickly. And we have a very, very damaged economy right now and extreme rates of COVID. And mind you, a lot of European countries, pay, they had massive stimulus checks to pay people to stay home. Like in the UK, if you're furloughed, the government's paying this, right? So it's people are bearing the brunt of this economic turmoil right now. Yeah, and I will say the last um, statistic I saw, we have um, probably now it's over 3 million cases, but we are... Uh, the United States has a quarter of the world's COVID cases in one country. Yes. That's what we've and had then, the entire time almost. So it's yeah. almost always been a quarter. But people want to still talk about, well, we shouldn't have shut down at all. Okay. Sweden didn't, right? So we we talk about, we get these examples again. Sweden, there's an article in the New York Times and the title of it is Sweden has become the world's cautionary tale. Sweden never shut down. They didn't shut the gyms. They didn't shut the bars. They didn't shut everything because the idea was herd immunity, right? Everyone, let's get everyone sick at once and deal with it. What happened? Sweden's economy declined almost identically to other countries who shut down, yet their deaths, proportionally, were 40% more than American deaths. So 
I just, yes, it's hard to know what to do, but at the same time, I'm like, I want to shake someone. I'm like, but we saw what people did. Like we see the results. So I think it's interesting that people are just like, well, we don't know what to do about this. We don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. It's like, well, but we can see all these other people who did certain things and we can see, we're starting to see results now. So why don't we take that seriously? For some people, there is no number of death that is high enough. Like there will never be. I mean, so f at, when this started out, a lot of my conservative friends, I, not in a sarcastic way, I was really interested. I was like, what is the number of people dying that you would take this seriously? And they never answered. I never had one conservative friend name a number. I, I expected them to say 1 million or something, you know, something like just, you know, that at that time, at least what it would have been like absolutely out of the world. Um, but they never say that because because it's really not about that, you know. Until it affects them, it's really not about that, um, you know. There, there's and 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 I feel bad though because I know a lot of people are going through a lot of misery right now. They're having their their businesses yeah. closed down. Um, there was a, a statistic I read in the Washington Post that said that a hundred thousand businesses have closed permanently. Yeah, will never reopen. Yeah, we talked that about that in the last episode too. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, you know, so. That's crazy. Um, you know, so, so, and, and I personally know at least one person who had their business, they closed their business. They run a theater. They've been closed for five months. You know, they can't keep it open. That's it. They gave it up. I know another person that runs another theater that they're going through their savings, you know, and, and so mm -hmm. they're, they're going to be, you know, the same thing's going to happen to them if it doesn't reopen in a month. So, you know, I, I, I get it. I understand. I mean, it's, it's been such a hard few months. Like I went through such waves yeah. of depression um just because i kept i kept thinking of it like like that there's that line in star wars where the they blow up the planet and and i forgot what character says it but they just like pause and they're like i just felt like the pain of like an entire planet like you know being killed at once or something like i kind of felt like that when covid first started like i just there was no good news at all for like a month and i just felt the pain of everyone and so like, like it's not i feel like if there's a conservative person out there you know they're scared about their business um, you know, staying open or whatever. Like, I totally get it. I, I've, oh, I, for sure. I, I've felt the same thing yeah. with my business. You know, I've been struggling all year to try to keep it going. You know, I, I was, I was a little secretly happy when, you know, the, the, the government opened or the country opened for a month or whatever, just so I could get through my, you know, my, some of my busy season, you know, so like, I get it, like monetary stuff matters and, and all that, yeah. you know, but at the same time, like, like you just said, you know, with that example, they didn't close their economy it sank even lower. Like it's, you know, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a case of, of, of one bad thing or worse thing. I, I, I do I want to, um, point that out you know you talk about you know the economic hardship should not be like just shoved under the rug everything is hard you know there was i saw a story and it was a man in uh um michigan um and he it was his dream to own a sports bar and so he mm -hmm. he bought out the sports bar he'd been working on it renovating it uh renovating it and he was supposed to open up in like March or whatever. Mm -hmm. COVID hit. He had to postpone to June. And then all of a sudden June comes around. Black Lives Matter comes around. And his bar was completely destroyed oh and gosh. looted. And he um, he didn't have uh, insurance on I it. I don't know. And his life is ruined. And, you know, he, he doesn't have COVID. But what does he have? You know, like he's alive. But yeah, his his life is ruined. So I don't. I, you know, if you're listening and you don't particularly agree with 
some of our perspectives. I don't want you to walk away from this thinking that, you know, economic hardship doesn't matter. You know, health is all that matters. Health, obviously, if you're alive, that's better than, you know, being poor, like, you know, and like dead, like, you know, like as long as you're alive, you're being poor you're and good. alive is better than being that's dead. What, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Sorry. <laughs> um, and so I don't want you to think that we're sitting here just saying like, you shouldn't care about your business. You know, you should be alive. Like it's no, it's everything is hard. Like we Do don't you guys wanna... have any advice for these, for these, for anybody struggling with business or whatever. I mean, like, um, I don't know any, any, any like ray of hope or advice about like pivoting to something new or something. I mean, Ivanka Trump, Oh uh, my God. had a quote basically said try something new is that what it was yeah yeah and i and it seemed a little cold but at the same time like i kind of get what she's trying to say but it just seems a little cold if your is. business it's, is failing right now it is incredibly disconnected from the heart of middle america because you know obviously when you have the resources that a person like ivanka trump has had it's very easy to just take a 180 and do something different um obviously if you've had you know, all of your experience in your entire career in one field, you can't just be like, Oh, Hey, I'm going to go into sales now. Like, right. It, and so, yeah. especially if you're, you know, 50 years old or something, you know, you're, you, but you have less I options. I think, I think a good way to phrase it is right now, everybody needs to be open-minded. It does, you no good to be closed minded. And so it's, you know, your industry goes to trash and it's going to be heartbreaking, but keep in mind that there could be an opportunity right around the corner and something that you didn't even think of. And so I would just say, be open-minded, you know, look yeah. for opportunity because you never know what may present itself. Yeah. And I think we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge the, the really hard reality that in some places we're seeing, you know, people taking their own lives more than COVID is, right. is affecting people because this is terrifying. I mean, I think we all work in industries that have been impacted every day. I oh, absolutely. I work, I did all my work in events every single day. We can't get a sale. I'm like, okay, any second now I'm going to get the call that I lost my job and I'm done. Yeah. I don't have savings. It's scary. Let me, me out. like I'm <laughs> terrified. And so I think we all need to be more patient with each other and understanding of yeah. that. But I also think we have to remember that, we got to all be on the same page here. One of the, uh, there's a line from that article I read, the author wrote, um, the article that was talking about, you know, Sweden didn't shut down and they still saw this horrible economic impact. He said, here's one takeaway with potentially universal import. It is simplistic to portray government actions such as quarantines as the cause of economic damage. The real culprit is the virus itself. And I think we have to remember that. Like we have all got to remember the enemy here is not face masks or, you know, this politician or that politician. The enemy is the virus. And I think we forgot that. And we've got to remember that and be on the same page because this is the toughest thing many, many of us will ever go through in our entire lives. Mm -hmm. um, and we're not going to get through this unless we remember that we're all fighting for one outcome here. And that's like, why yeah. it's like a war. I mean, you know, you, you, you never prepare for, you know, you're, you're, I mean, you prepare, but you're never prepared to go to just stop your life and go to a war. But many generations have had to do that. <laughs> And, yeah. you know, and so if they could deal with the Nazis in World War II, you know, we can deal with COVID. I mean, it's just, it's a and war against an enemy and the enemy is, you know, the, the illness. Yep. And I, I, I think my only final thought on that is that I, 
I wish our government would understand that and support its citizens right mm -hmm. now. We are seeing a lot of countries, a lot of countries creating stimulus packages to help people stay home, stay yeah. safe while they do what they need to do without economic stress and pressure is takes an incredibly physical toll on your yeah. body. Can the country so afford to do it though? Like, like how do we, how do we, how do we keep it going? I mean, from a, from somebody, I'm not conservative myself with money at all, but, but, <laughs> but, but like, I mean, you know, from like Donald Trump basically said that he would not close the country down again. And yeah. that was under pressure of basically people saying we can't afford it. Um, you know, so somebody who let's say somebody who just is, you know, is really scared about the country falling into default or whatever. Like, is that realistic? Who knows? <laughs> I'm not an, I, I am not enough of an economic expert to, uh, dive into that um but we did this like we started having the loans for small businesses we yeah. saw like the unemployment adding on the 600 dollars. in my opinion that was that was right do you guys remember how what a sigh of relief that was for people and people was. were like okay fine i'll stay home well not everyone but most people were like the government was literally paying people to stay home so that we could sort mm -hmm. this out and then we just were kind of like eh, money too hard yeah. <laughs> So, Which is very simplistic. I understand that. Yeah. that is very, but as other countries are making this work, and it's just a little frustrating that mm -hmm. we can't. But I agree, we cannot just tell people stay home, and then also, also by the way, you're not going to get paid, and also you're going to lose your business. Like, yeah, right. That's not true. That's not possible. All of these public health mandates then we have to also support them yeah. and have their back, right? Well, we have to get back to being healthy. It's just like if, if let's say you yourself got sick, you know, you have to get yourself healthy first. And then, you know, you hope that when you're healthy, you can make all that much more money to, you know, to try to make up for it. Yeah. But I mean, there's not really much else you can do. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, final point for me. Um, and I think um, it kind of answers a little bit of Curtis, what you're saying, like how, like, where do we get the money? What do we do? And I think... Moving forward, you know, the first stimulus package, which is like, okay, people need money. That's what they need. They need money right now. They need money to pay bills. They need money to pay rent. They need money to buy food. So they're like, let's give the people money. Let's give the small businesses money. I think moving forward, similar to what we talked to in the last episode, is we need uh, more of a new deal scenario in which we create government incentive. We create programs that provide work that provide opportunities for businesses to create work. And I think moving forward, rather than just like, here's money, we need to find the government to institute ways to make money. Um, and I think that's the best way, in my opinion, of getting out of this. How that's done, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, but that is it. We are pretty far on time. Uh, thanks, y'all, for listening. Uh, Curtis, do you have anything to plug right now? Uh, no, not at all. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing anything creative at the moment. <laughs> I'll try to get back to that in a few weeks, hopefully. Kara, do you have anything you want to plug? Nope. All right, guys. Um, actually, I want to plug uh, the West Wing. Uh, I've been, I've been binging the West Wing so hard, and it is such a wonderful show. So. If you're on Netflix, <laughs> you're plugging the West Wing. Check out the West Wing, folks. <laughs> you're welcome, Aaron Zirkin. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I better get some of that money for this. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, uh, get a hold of us. You can shoot us an email at P uh, pwbnetwork at gmail.com. Check out our website at podcastwithoutborders.com. Uh, if you have anything that we, you would like us to discuss in upcoming episodes, let us know. We would love to talk about it. 
Um, but yeah, otherwise, uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you in the next episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to Social Discord, part of the Podcast Without Borders Network. You can get a hold of us by sending us an email at pwbnetwork at gmail.com. You can also check out our website at podcastwithoutborders.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.